Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players by trumpet players and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. In addition to being home to The Open Bell podcast, the World Trumpet Federation is quickly garnering the attention of trumpeters who are seeking a fresh perspective on playing and teaching. If you or your students are looking for helpful resources, simply go to www.worldtrumpetfederation.com and the Westchester Trumpet Festival, hosted by our good friend, Dr. Jean-Christophe Dobzhelevsky. That's spelled D-O-B-R-Z-D-O-D... There's an X. No, there's no X. Anyway, Dr. Jean-Christophe Dobzhelevsky, Professor Rob Skonison, and the team at Westchester have put on a great festival each year that showcases talent, offers informative clinics, and hosts all the finest vendors. And since JC and friends designed this event with students in mind, it's affordable. Just Google Westchester Trumpet Festival because it's way easier than spelling Dobzhelevsky. Now here's a little about the show. We essentially have three segments, warming up, a couple things, and no offense. We'll use these segments to cover information that Joey, Brian, and I think is important. Gentlemen, shall we? This is a segment we call Warming Up, and it gives us a chance to ease into the show by talking about some things that are on our radar. Brian, what type of uh, conical nonsense do you have for us today? Well, today in the cornet world, I want to talk about this um, guy who's named uh, Dr. Um, I think it's um, Niles. Maybe it's Niles. It's Niles. Dr. Niles. You don't know Eldridge. who you're talking about? Wait, Sorry, this Dr. is Niles like two Eldridge. weeks ago. It was he is Oster Ost. <laughs> right. Nathan. Uh, so uh, Dr. Eldridge is the senior curator of invertebrates at the American Museum of Natural History. And, um, Are you so, saying that, that cornet players don't have a spine? So as... <laughs> I'm fascinated. Um, he is also an expert on cornets and has at his house here in um, New Jersey 500 cornets. No. Like all smart people in the world, <laughs> he loves the cornet. Oh, my God. 500 Cornets. Five hundred. So I have I've uh, I've vowed to um, go visit him as soon as I, as soon as all this COVID nonsense is over. He's seventy three. I'm not sure he's still employed at the Museum of Natural History, but I, but right. I believe he is. Um, and uh, in an article, he was quoted as saying that um, in modern terms, the inside of a cornet is almost the same as a trumpet, and that he believes that the sound is um, the sound difference is mostly due, to, is a little bit due to the mouthpiece, but mostly due to cornet players um, and trumpet players who convert correctly, I think, to cornet. Um, it's mm. an emotional and a physical and a mental change that they make when they play cornet. Um, and there are some people who actually um, talk about soloists on cornet, uh, jazz soloists, play slightly slower, or some cornets will play slightly slower, so they're not as fast on their... Um, there, so uh, you're way, way. So you're, we got a couple problems here. We got yeah. <laughs> Although there are cornet players in the jazz side who play as fast as anybody when they improv. 
All right. First thing that comes to mind is, are you going to schedule 500 straight days of cornet practice and go hammer through every one of these horns? That sounds like a great idea. I need I to, think yeah, we'll make that. a video. We need one every day. We need video of each one. So, so secondly, Ridgewood, New Jersey is a bit of a trek from here. Well, you can camp in his yard. <laughs> so the next thing is you're saying, and he, or he's saying, his premise is that, they're so similar that it's the visual stimulus or the, or the player's mindset that changes the sound more than the instrument does. Yeah. Okay, that's where my first problem comes because the differences in both the inside and how they're wrapped, those are significant differences between cornets and trumpets. Yeah, so um, the trumpet is, the back third of it is, is conical and the front, front two thirds is cylindrical. Mm -hmm. Right. And a cornet ostensibly is from beginning to end, always, right. yeah, always getting, getting larger. Um, and that that difference, I guess, over time has, has gotten less and less. And that the rap has something to do with it. I think the original Shepherd's Kirk, Shepherd's Kirk was there just to make it sh smaller. Just but it, do, but it does change the, the feel and sound, like we've, we've seen that as well. Yeah, I think it does. Right. Yeah. But he, so he, I, he I don't agree with I, think, I don't agree with his original article, contention that 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 mostly, mostly it's due to the player. I, I don't I don't see that when you're talking about how different these instruments are. They're significantly different in their makeup still to this day. Yeah, and I think the the way the horns respond is we can all agree on that is really different. It's very different. So sure. it, even if. Even if that's what he's saying, like the player then alters what they're doing because of that. Well, that's still on the horn. That's not just the player. And of course, a horn, you're going to play differently based on the horn in your hand. Of course. You know, this is one of those things we've talked about before where lots of, you'll see lots of players that will try and hide uh, a bad trumpet sound. They'll just pick up a flugelhorn. Mm. But they will play differently on the flugelhorn than they will on the trumpet because it's a different instrument. The same way the cornet is a different instrument than trumpet. Of course, you're going to play different. It's a different instrument. That totally makes sense. And what this art article was saying was that he maintains that most of the difference in the sound is due to the player's different interaction with the instrument, not exactly in the construction of the instrument. And, and how does he quantify that? That I don't know. Wow. Because that's, have to that's go a, visit a, him to find out. It's a bold statement, but I'd like some support on that because I, <laughs> I want to know I, how I, he how he's going to make how he's, he's going to support he's a that scientist. He does, he's a it's scientist. A, he doesn't have to justify his research. <laughs> Exactly. Joey, this is 2020. You want facts? Where have you been? I do like the facts. I'm a what big country big, are you in? Yes. I like wow. facts. Wow. Big, big, big support anyway, of the facts. He's written 160 articles, not all on Cornet. Obviously, he's a researcher, um, but uh, you know, super smart and well-published and does a lot of work on Cornet. So yeah. I'm super, super excited about this. I'm kind of bummed because we didn't go with the invertebrates thing, but whatever. We could stay Those with the cornet. Players. I'm right. going back to all cornet players are spineless. I think we're just there. That's where we are. I think that's the takeaway. That's the that's takeaway. The, that's I'm, the real takeaway. I'm glad we could discussion. agree. Yeah, that's good. Wow. And you got to get up there and play these horns. Yeah. You, and well, there's got to be some great stuff in there. Yeah, I want to know what's in there. Yeah, I want to know the kind of stuff he's got. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. All right, Joey, you got a question for us today? I don't have a question. Wow. I know I normally bring a question. You do. I want to bring, and this might be uh, this might be even relevant to our later discussion today, but I want to bring out something that I I think seems to be uh, almost turning into a lost art that I want to uh, resurrect. Mm. I want to talk transposition just for a second. Uh oh. Wow. I kind of thought uh, I, here's how I learned how to transpose. I was in eighth grade. I auditioned for the youth orchestras of San Antonio, and I. Uh, 
got in there as an eighth grader. It's normally a high school group. I'm playing third trumpet. And I'm sitting next to the second trumpet player named Bobby Cousy. Yes, that was his real name. It's Bobby Cousy. Yeah, that's and a great trumpet name. This part, yeah, well, it's a great, it's a great uh, sports name right there. Yes, um, so they pass out a part, and I look at my trumpet in three, and it says trumpet three in D. And I did, as an eighth grade, I didn't know what that meant. So I leaned over to Bobby, and I'm like, Bobby, uh, what does trumpet in D mean? And he looks mm-hmm. at me like I'm an idiot. He goes, you just played up a third. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, of course. I knew that. Next lesson, I sit down. Bernie Nero says, oh, how's everything going? I said, I need to learn how to transpose. And he said, what are, we, what are you talking about? And I tell him the story. He's like, okay, 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 okay. And I, it's been something I've been doing with students, uh, even when I taught uh, middle school kids. Once I got them uh, to memorize all of their major scales, and I told them, okay, listen, we start every lesson till you learn them all and you play them all the way through. And then I get them to like natural minor scales. And then I'm like, okay. And I say, if you, do th- if you can do them without any hitching or without any errors, two weeks in a row, you won't have to do them all anymore. Okay. So they get through that and said, now we're going to start transposing. So some kids, like in seventh and eighth grade, I go back to like the beginning of the Getchell book and stuff like that and say, okay, right. now we're going to move this up a step, down a step, and try to introduce that concept. And it's really valuable, and it seems to be one of those things that is necessary for orchestral players, right? So we all know that. If you're an orchestral trumpet player, you have to transpose. Otherwise, ah, what do I care? But that's not true. You know, there are a number mm-hmm. of places where you can be stuck, and I could tell you stories till the end of time about – where I ended up like, oh, and you'll need to be able to, and can you, could you do this, right? It comes up all the time. But even aside from that, in the abstract, this is what I tell my students, the better you could sight read something transposed, then think how easy it is to do if you're just reading the notes that are on the page. So it's just a good skill to develop that makes, I think, you a better overall musician. It gives you easier access in these sorts of things. So I want, I want people to be thinking, I should be transposing. And it doesn't have to be, you know, hey, we're going to take atonal exercises and move them in tritones. Take a simple melody and move it right. up a step, move it down a step. Start with that. Right. You know, but are I want to Are people not teaching that. it and not practicing it and not I, doing it? No, I don't. This is anecdotal. I mean, I don't know what's happening everywhere in the country, but I, I see it less and less as something that's a focus of teaching. That it's just not sort of built in in the same way I think it used to be. I mean, I've been guilty of this too. You know, you have so many things to tackle that that is often a thing that gets pushed aside. Yeah. Right. You and know, when you're working on. Especially if you're on, not worried about kids taking orchestra auditions, then it's not right on the yeah, front burner. Right. And right. that's where I really want to focus because if you think about your education majors, they're going to be reading transposed scores, and if a kid says, "Do I have the right note?" and they look down, they better know what that note is in concert pitch. So you right. Need you want quick transposition yeah. skills to be able to access that kind of information. Well, think about the jazz players trying to learn standards in 12 keys or at least learn a, learn a tune in the two or three keys that has been played in typically, right? And then you show up only to say, oh, I do this in this key. Hey, right, right. You know, uh, this was, this. was I'll tell one story. My teacher in high school said, listen, this is something you're going to need. We're going to keep going on this, you know. Uh, you're going to show up on a gig somewhere. There's going to be a singer. And then they're going to have this tune in a different key. And I was in the Disney College Orchestra, and Donny Osmond was our guest artist. And he showed wow. up without a musical director and couldn't really read music, which was the interesting part of this. So uh, he had no conductor, so I was helping. The drummer was kind of helping coordinate the orchestra through this rehearsal. We get to the end, and we're doing Turn Your Love Around. You guys remember the tune? Mm-hmm. Right? So we're going through, and we're getting all the way through it. We get to the end. He just looks at me and stop so I stand up and I stop the orchestra and he comes over to me because we're the ones who've been talking through the rehearsal and he said mm. it's supposed to go up there 
And I said, I don't understand. What do you mean? And he sang for me a half-step modulation. Oh. So I said, okay, two before H, everybody stop. Rhythm section, they're like, we got it. And I said, from H to the end, everybody take it up a half-step. And I watched the string players all freeze because <laughs> that's not <laughs> right. something that's normally you built in. You don't do that, right? It's not a thing. That. But yeah. there it was. You know, yeah. there it was. I'm like, oh, i got to call my teacher. He's so right. Look at this. <laughs> I'll just read it up a half-step. And, of course, I'm, I'm being the smart Smart as an I am, I wrote trumpet and H over mine for the end, so <laughs> <laughs> just to amuse myself. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, just to have that skill, I think, is something that's uh, that I think all musicians should. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not something that comes up. I mean, we don't test for it in the audition process. We don't nope. ask people to transpose at sight. Typically, nope. for an audition, it's all, it's all prepared. Yeah, marketable skill. We yeah. do. Um, we do seven transpositions in the first semester of trumpet students, and I do them for the, through the first three Arban duets. Mm -hmm. And I make people actually transpose um, for A flat trumpet because they don't wow. usually have freshmen usually don't have a C trumpet. And That's your C and B flat, B right? Flat, yeah, yeah. Um, B flat part on C, and uh, and so we do the first three etudes in the uh, in the Arban book. They do the top line um, in four and the bottom line in three. And then we just trade. We just do it seven times. And then they do, um, as their jury, jury they do um, Bordoni 1 as one of their jury pieces sure. uh, mm -hmm. in that December. And then I never have to worry about transposition again. They always have to do it. They have to keep going through the Bordoni book. And we've done Saxa as well. But they, I don't have to worry about it. And when they go into conducting class, um, they go into horn class, I mean, they, don't, they yeah. don't have to worry about it. It's already done. It's a pain for them. When they first start, oh, of and course, they complain about it, but you know, it's just something yeah. we do. Right, you just do a little bit at a time, and it just turns into something you can do. Yeah, yep. I like Getchell, I like Caffarelli. Yep. I used uh, and all the stuff melodies in, Arben. in the Arbens book too. Yeah, yeah, they were great. Yeah, we've heard you transpose some of those on alto flugelhorn. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Bass trumpet. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Well, look, I know I could not be more excited. Gentlemen, it is time for another week of Backboard Bingo. Now listen, Joey, I know you've been oh, upset. I, I know you've been upset. What, me? <laughs> upset? I know you think that this isn't bingo, but again, just to cover this, it's bingo because I say it's bingo. It's and, bingo. well, it's close enough for what we're doing here. So I, look, and I know you have felt like it's a little unfair to you. So I carefully curated this week's questions and I think you're going to feel like it's just a lot more fair and a lot more even. I'm feeling okay. good. All right. Question one, multiple choice. Excellent. In the British brass band culture. Oh, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me. In the British brass band culture, the most appropriate term used to describe the second row of cornet players is A, ripieno row. B, seconds and thirds. C, section cornets. D, death row. Oh, so it's, I was trying to play this smart. I was going to let Brian go first and then just choose whatever he chooses because I know he <laughs> oh, knows nice. the answer. Uh, Joey, but he's the, staring at me. He's Joey, not yeah. answering. It, it goes to you. So I have to answer first. Yeah. A, Ripiano row. B, seconds and thirds. C, section cornets. D, death row. The second row. Okay. I don't know a lot about this. So, but... So that I think that's where the Repiano guy sits, but it wouldn't be a whole row of that, so that doesn't make sense. But it's not just seconds and thirds because the Repiano guy's there. Let's go death row. Wow. Wow. 
It's death row. It's death row. Yes. That's what we call it. Oh, my gosh. He talked himself into that. Yes. Totally did. He totally did. He outsmarted us. Shocking. <laughs> oh, come on. You have to admit that was fun, right? Yeah. Nailed right. it. Question two, multiple choice. Wait, 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 wait. Were there points for question one or there's yeah, no points Yeah, points for question one. Yep. Joey, you get the full 10 points. Brian, 15. Question two, multiple choice. The Besson Company makes several models of British-style cornets. Oh, my God. I see where this is going. <laughs> Which of the following is We're not, not... calling this backboard British bingo? <laughs> no. No. Which of the following is not the name of a Besson cornet model? A, Sovereign. B, Virtuoso. C, Prodigy. D, Prestige. Well, I went first last time, so shouldn't Brian go first this time? No. It's not the way it works. No, it's like golf. You <laughs> got it. You, we all go at you, the same time. You did you just say, your honor, your honor? Is that what you just did you're to right. me? And I'm out. <laughs> and you're totally out. All right, Joey, what do you say? A, Sovereign. B, Virtuoso. C, Prodigy. D, Prestige. Which one is not a Besson Cornet name? Okay. I'm not going to use my 50-50 because I've got it down to 50-50. <laughs> I know two of them are Cornets. <laughs> Give me those one more time. I've eliminated two. A is Sovereign. B is Virtuoso. C is Prodigy. D is Prestige. Okay. Hmm. Prodigy. I'm going to go with Prodigy. Wow. This Brian? Is amazing. This is amazing. C, Prodigy. B, Virtuoso. <laughs> <laughs> Brian misses whiffs on the cornet question. <laughs> okay. That's got to be some sort of penalty for him now at this point, <laughs> right? right? That's totally a penalty. He loses the five points that I gave him extra over you in the first round, and oh. you get zero. Wait, hold on a second. This is okay, wait, we're tied. This is no, no, you're, so right now. I'm doing as well as I ever have. Dead, dead even. This I'm is feeling the best. very good. <clears throat> feeling very been. good about my and, chances. And of course, now the questions I think are going to turn around from this point on and be more fair. Okay. All right. Now I in, miss. So now Brian should go first. It's no longer my honor. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, question three. Turn the corner. Wait till the question. Yeah. In England. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally British backboard bingo. Brass, <laughs> brass bands are part of the fabric of everyday life. The bands, many of which are named after towns or businesses that have existed for centuries and are known across the land. Which of the following is not the name of an actual British brass band? The Cory Band. Meltham and Meltham Mills. He's writing as fast as he can. I know. And I'm speaking English. C, the Yorkshire Colliery Band. E, Stannington Brass Wait, Band. Wait, you just said E on the fourth one. That oh, sorry, D. 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 Sorry, D. What was D again? D is the Stannington Brass Band. I'm going to go with B. <laughs> B, Meltham and Meltham Mills. Brian? C. C, the answer is C, the Yorkshire Colliery Band, no such thing. Damn it. Meltham and Meltham <laughs> Mills is real, and so is the Standing to Brass Band. Well, of course. Yeah. Know, big fans. And the, I mean, the folks <laughs> in the research office at World Trumpet Federation had a blast this week with this. Man, putting They're those interns to work. They killed it. All right, question four. All right, this is going to be way easier for, for you, Joey. Longtime conductor of the Lindley Band, who <laughs> oh formerly played cornet. Come on. In the famous Black Dyke Band, as well as served as conductor of the Huddersfield Town Band. His name, please. 
I believe his name is Ian. (laughs) (laughs) You would be wrong. Brian? That's Mr. Jowett. Yes, it is. Our good I thought we were just going first names. And host Neil Jowett. Neil Jowett. Oh, Neil. Oh, first names, and you went with Ian. <laughs> I took a shot. Totally good playing guess. the odds. <laughs> Sounds like a good oh. British conductor oh, name. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> Under the G. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. And our last question, just to round it out. I'm feeling good now. I'm ready. You should feel good. In brass band competition, one of the most challenging aspects is the annual test piece a composition that strikes fear into the hearts of players and conductors alike. One of the most notorious test pieces of all time is titled Metropolis and was written by A. Christopher Bond, B. Peter Graham, C. Philip Spark, D. Kit Turnbull. All right, as familiar as I am, I mean, this seems like an an easy one for me, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Philip Spark. That would be a great guess. It is a great guess. It's a great guess. Had it been another piece. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great guess. It doesn't mean it's right. It's still a great guess. It's like guessing Bach for anything Baroque. Exactly. That's what I'm going with. But it was Peter Graham. (laughs) I don't think so. 25 points to Brian. (laughs) 25 points. It's the last question. It's worth more. It's the last question. Worth more. And our winner for today, British Backboard Bingo, Dr. Brian Appleby Weinberg. There you go. Man, that doctor gets me every time. Roll the credits. <laughs> and now to the focal point of today's show. While some players like to align themselves with specific types of playing, orchestra, jazz, etc., we here at the Open Bell feel it is important to take a broader approach to playing and learning in general. And to that end, brethren, what couple things do you have to share about the idea of a more broad-based education when it comes to trumpet? Joey, you're the poster child for this, right? Yeah, and there's no <laughs> points for this. There's no points for this, so Joey's not going to participate. I'm feeling, I'm feeling trapped at this point. <laughs> What, what I say, it turns out to be wrong. Uh, I can't uh, stress strongly enough my feelings that the broader you are, especially the, when you're younger, the better it is for all long-term growth, even if you want to do something really specific later. That the broader you start, the better it is for you. And, you know, we could use all kinds of anecdotal stories about any player X that you really look up to for doing one specific thing. If you go back and look at their history, most of the time that history has a really broad base. You know, when we look at all of these orchestral players and you look back and, oh, they played in jazz band in college, or they did this first, or they did that first, or these people in these groups, that where they, they didn't come from those places. You know, and we, I, we could point, I mean, we could point out a couple of funny ones, you know, like we, you know, Jose Sabaha, our good friend, Jose. Mm-hmm. Jose and I were in school together. He was an undergrad when I was a grad student at Miami. And he played an orchestra, and that's all he could do because that's all Gil would let him to do. And then a couple wow. of years later, I'm flipping channels, and he's playing with uh, Ricky Martin, you know. <laughs> and, right. and, and now, of course, he's playing with the Boston Brass, you know. So the versatility there, you know, to get him mm-hmm. where he is, I don't think Gil ever saw that coming. You know, when I, was, when I left Miami uh, to go play with Maynard, Gil said, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure because that – he mm. didn't really love that, that part of, of the trumpet part. 
Um, but lots of people have, you know, uh, and they really enjoy that part of it. Uh, you know, the first time I heard Bob Sullivan play when I went over to play with Cincinnati, this is when Eric Kunzel was still running the Pops. So I used to come over, they used to do all that Doc Severinsen stuff, and there's Bob Sullivan. And all I know about Bob is he's played in Cleveland and he's played in New York, two orchestras that don't do an awful lot of Pops. I'm like, well, right. I wonder what he's like. And yeah. there he is playing the lead part on one of these things. I'm playing uh, the doc part. And, man, sounds like a million dollars. I'm like, wow. He goes, yeah, I played in the jazz bands at Michigan. It was, you know, good experience getting me ready mm -hmm. for these kind of things. And he's got it locked and loaded. And this guy's a tremendous orchestral trumpet player. So I think when we go too narrow too soon, we end up shortchanging ourselves from everything that, is, that comes with a broader bass, from a musical standpoint and from a trumpet standpoint, both technically and musically. And you there don't it really is, right? know what you're going to do when you get out of school anyway. Right. So why close off those doors and those options? And as teachers, um, we want to be careful we don't close any of those doors, pigeonhole students that you'll never be able to play high notes or you can only play second trumpet. Um, I think it's really important, and it's important that teachers expose students to all these different options as well. Um, I went to orchestra schools and wasn't really exposed to these other things. And it wasn't until, and I thought, you know, we never really talked about high notes in, in college or in graduate school. Um, and it wasn't until I was playing in Trombomundi and, and Joey, you sat down next to me to play Vern Reynolds. And I was um, playing it on C trumpet, B flat part pretty angular piece with a lot of accidentals mm -hmm. um, and uh, you said oh I'll, I'll he you were playing second to me and uh, you said you're playing in C trumpet and I said yeah but I don't care uh, what you play and you said no I'll play C trumpet and then got your C trumpet and read read it down and I, I think it was that point I said I think you're playing a really different game than I'm playing <laughs> 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 yet again where transposition comes in handy yeah exactly yeah. Um, and then you know playing high notes i think you did on a concert we played at at rowan you ended one one piece on a g um and the next piece started muted low f sharp soft yeah i do remember um, that yeah and yeah. i was on stage taking that in and going yeah that's that's a different game than i'm than i'm playing but i didn't even know that game really existed hmm. through college um and i think that if um, teachers had talked about that or just exposed you to that instead of letting you pigeonhole yourself or um, uh, I think it's really important to expose people to those possibilities. You know, I had a similar experience with Joey. One of the first times I stood next to him in a rehearsal and uh, we were playing uh, Victory Fanfare, if I recall right. And I played the opening. Joey leaned over to me and said, are you going to tongue any of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could draw a lot of parallels Great. there yeah yeah but yeah i mean think about what we do just in the design of the undergraduate curriculum for example right we try to make sure you know students play across the across all the ensembles right orchestra band jazz ensembles make sure they're getting a chamber music experience playing in brass quintet or trios and doing those things as well there's value to that and that it's interesting right because we we make maybe a larger, broader ensemble requirement as part of the, the transcript, but do we really within the studio kind of like keep that checklist to make sure that everybody does everything? You know, I know personally I need to be better at that because we let students gravitate. Well, and that's the hard part is that the students at some level do have the choice of pigeonholing themselves should they want to. Right. 
You know, if, if they're saying, listen, all I want to do is go play in an orchestra, so all I'm going to do is practice my excerpts and play in an orchestra, I actually think that makes it harder to go do that. You know, yeah. right. I, I, I think that's, that's part of the problem is that the, the broader base, you know, I've always been somebody that's interested in uh, as many things as I can play as possible. So, I mean, I remember having a conversation with, with Barbara Butler during my undergrad where when she was talking about orchestra auditions, and I said to her, I'm not sure I really want to take orchestra auditions. And she looked at me a little surprised, like, we kind of had the conversation of, she asked me, well, what are you doing here? And my answer was, hey, I heard this was a really great place, and it <laughs> is, <laughs> you know. But it wasn't yeah. just about becoming an orchestral trumpet player. It was about being the best trumpet player I could be in any musical setting. And Eastman was, at that time, was that place that offered that for me. I was in a brass quintet. We had a, a Barbara and Charlie ran this trumpet ensemble thing on Thursday afternoons. We, we did a bunch of great stuff for. Uh, we had jazz bands, orchestra, bands. I mean, it was just anything you could think of. We were doing all of that stuff. It was, it was amazing. And that's trying. one of the things that we're trying to create, like I'm trying to create when I got here, is that when a student tells me they want to be a performance major, I'm like, great, so what does that mean to you? And I try and give them uh, uh, to think broadly about what performance really means, not just from the idea of, well, and, and unfortunately I think this gets communicated a, a lot, well, what if you don't get to do what you want? And I don't want to start from that place. I want to mm. start from the place of what's the best way to get what you want, and let's use history as an example. So you know, people always like to you know, say, well, look at Bud Herson. That guy played you know, forever. And I said, right, what do you do before the Chicago Symphony? Well, didn't he play in the Navy's dance bands? He talks right. about it. Right. I, well, obviously, you couldn't be in a military band playing you know, big band gigs on. That can't be a way to be the best orchestral trumpet player of the 20th century. That's, but that's what happened. You know, and, and, and if we go to you know, his natural successor as somebody that we looked up to as a principal trumpet player is Phil Smith. Well, that guy plays cornet stuff in the Salvation Army Band, so obviously that's no route to being a great orchestral principal <laughs> trumpet player. Right. Broad base, these, are t these are two of our you know, legendary examples of who I want to be when I grow up. You know, and right. what are those? What were their? What was their root? Right. Yeah. Well, these are these are people who are good at music processing music, not just processing the trumpet, right? They're taking it all in. They understand all the styles. They're 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 able to fit in. Like so, Joe, you you're out somewhere and you're playing. You you get called in to play pops or whatever. But how many times have you then also had to play something else? When you're talking about being in Houston and having to do some of the heroes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's there. It's possible that you're going to have you have to remain equipped to do those things and should. It's just more fun. Right. You know, I, I you know, uh, the idea, of course, is I'd love to be able. My goal, of course, is, is an unreachable one, which is why it's worth having is I want to be able to play anything that's out there at any time, which, of course, is impossible. That's what keeps me practicing because I'll never be able to do everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but the idea of trying to get as close as I can, because why, why would you ever want to say, well, yeah, that's great music, but I don't really do that. Who wants, I don't want to live like that. Right. You know, I, I, I want to live in a place where, like, that's great music, let's go do that. Or you want to do it, and you show up on the gig, and you're so bad at it that it's horrifying. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you don't want to put yourself in that position, right. which is right. why school is, a, is the great place to go try that stuff out. Exactly. You know, and say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and try for a jazz band. I had a student here at IU years ago and really, really strong uh, orchestral classical performance major. And she said, what are you, you know, what are you thinking? And I said, I think you should audition for a jazz band. She goes, what? But I can't. I don't. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, right. That's why. Exactly. You know, you, I think you should go that route. 
So she came in and auditioned, and at that time, uh, you know, David Baker was here, and, and he would sort of draft his section. So he's like, all right, I want this person playing lead, and I want this person to be my jazz player, and that person sounded great. So he had four people, and he said, what do you think about her? And I said, she sounded great. Her trumpet playing was outstanding, and she had prepared mm. really well, but her style, like, she wasn't really swinging. You know what? He's like, I like the way she prepared stuff. So she ended up in her first audition playing fifth trumpet in David Baker's band. Wow. Yes. I was like, what a great experience for a performance right. major for sure. that year. Right. It was great. Yeah. You know, but that's yeah. what you want. You want to you want to build. You know, when you're in school, you want to be thinking. Not what what's the only thing I want to do, but what's the best route to be able to play what I'm gonna want to go do. I think sometimes for the music ed majors, it's even it's a little more on their radar, right? Because they're thinking about I've got to teach all this stuff, right? But I think the performance majors are the ones that tend to say like, Nah, I've got my eye on a military career or an orchestral career, or I'm going to go play big bands or whatever it happens to be. Um, where the ed majors are more maybe open to the idea of trying I think- it. I think that's generally true. And I've had some ed majors that have gone through thinking, hey, listen, you know, like I'm a huge drum corps person, a marching band person, and now I'm going to go create my empire. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. but very likely your first job is going to be one of two kinds of jobs as a music ed major. You're either going to be the only person that's somewhere small, which means you're <laughs> going to be doing the jazz bands, right. or you're going to be the assistant at somewhere big, and you're going to be doing the jazz bands. So please don't go through your undergrad without being in one, because then it's four. If you hadn't, if you did it in high school, it's going to be four full years and a very different experience than when you walk in there as the teacher. You should feel comfortable in there, standing in front of high school students, saying, "This is how this goes." Right. So yeah, absolutely, even more important for education major because you will be teaching a broad base of music. We've talked about the comprehensive musicianship thing for sure. And, you know, of course, last last episode we devoted to the thing. And doesn't all of this, of course, feeds the same machine here. We're talking about being physically prepared, mentally prepared, musically prepared, stylistically prepared to do whatever might come your way as a trumpet player. It's It's the only right thing to do. Absolutely. And if we could talk musically just for a second, let's talk. Can we talk about pop music for just a second? Because Love I to. have watched this. As, as we've gotten older, not like Bill older, but just normal older. There it is. So what I've seen, and I've noticed this around Indianapolis, and I've called my friends on it, when we, we go and record a lot of demo stuff for Hal Leonard and stuff like that, so stuff they're putting out for like marching bands, which often are, you know, pop tunes or even older pop tunes and rock tunes. And it seems that every generation thinks that their generation's pop music is good, and the next one is terrible. And it's never true. There is always good pop music out there, and there's always a bunch of garbage out there. So we were in there somewhere, and we were recording something, and you know, somebody said something about oh, pop music in our day, and I said, we had Millie Vanilli. I mean, come on, it was not good. I mean, there's lots of good stuff, but there was lots of garbage. And I look at it this way: it's like you know, my grandmother loved Frank Sinatra, and her parents told her that Frank Sinatra was garbage. My mother loved Elvis, <laughs> and my grandmother told wow. my mother that Elvis was garbage. You know, then, you know, we had, I don't know, we could make up anything that we like. You know, I always sure. like, I, I like the police, and, and my wife does not. She doesn't like Sting. You know, my, so my parents would listen and go, that's garbage. And so it's very easy for us to then look at our, whatever our kids are listening to and go, that's crap. We have to do better than this when we're thinking about music. There is always great new music being being. Uh, performed, being prepared, being put out there by artists now that we don't know, and it's our, it should be our job mm-hmm. to know what that is. I always look at it this way, like when the Grammys are on every year. I watch the Grammys every year, and I tell my students, you should watch the Grammys. And they said, what for? 
and said two reasons. One, there may be people there you never heard of. I don't care who wins the Grammys, like award shows. I don't care about that. Right. What the Grammys they, they do is they put they put artists together and they perform live. And I said, I think you should know what music people are paying for. Whether you like it or not is can be up to you, but you mm. should be aware of it. Because yeah. when I had w- friends of mine telling me years ago, well, there's nothing good out here today. I said, have you heard of Beyonce? They're like, <laughs> I mean, you mean like that woman from Destiny's Child? Yeah. Have you heard anything that she's done? Because I think I am of the opinion, and this is you know obviously my own. If you don't like Beyonce, you don't like music. I mean, <laughs> she's <laughs> she's awesome. You know, and then, you know, for people like horn bands and stuff, you know, they're like, yeah, but there's no live instruments and doing this. I said, have you seen Justin Timberlake? You know, like 10 years ago when we were having these discussions. Have you seen Justin? Have you seen his band? It's great. Mm -hmm. Check it out. There's Mm -hmm. new stuff and it's really good. So I think that goes into this as well of not just uh, pigeonholing yourself even within your own generation. That gets really easy as well. Think broadly about what music really is. Yeah, remaining current. It's our responsibility, right? And in this case, whether you're an educator or a performer, right? So you Absolutely. know, you're prepared for it. Yeah, when right? I went in, uh, now this is kind of silly, but we went in and we were doing um, one of these marching band things, and it was a high school musical medley. This is years ago. And, of course, uh, <laughs> my <laughs> oldest daughter loved all of the high school musical. All the kids do, but she's course, especially. Yeah. Right. So there was a trumpet and trombone, and so I leaned over and I said, okay, so listen. You're Troy, and I and I was taking the trombone player through the whole story. And he's like, "You're kidding me, right?" I'm like, "No, you you got to know the you got to know the movie. You haven't seen the movie? Come on, man, you got to know yeah, what's man. going what, on." What's, here. what's your motivation your here? Right. <laughs> you got to you know get your get your get your head in the game. See, and I'm out. wow, and you are oh, out. Yeah. Well, I think you did the same thing as we were recording our duet from Wicked. I think that you were I, sure that we were dialed yes, in with. Uh, I remember the first time we did that. It was the first time we did that uh, up in out in Pennsylvania at that church, right? Mm-hmm. That was the I first performance. So. Yeah. I believe I told the story. You did tell from you the did. show, so I wanted people you to did. understand that, uh, of, of course, Brian is is Glinda. Well, <laughs> and of course the, you're and you're Alphaba. It's the only. <laughs> it was the only right choice. Absolutely, way it's going to work. <laughs> No, no one's going to believe it otherwise. Come on, we've talked about authenticity on this show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work otherwise. <laughs> but look, look at that for an example, right? Look at, look at what's required of a Broadway player, right? Someone Absolutely. Playing in a pit, and you know, there's a lot of students who. I mean, I, this is something you hear over the years of people who, you know, aspiring students want to write film music or they want to play in a pit on Broadway, or you know, these are these are top top ten kind of. Uh, you know, career aspirations, but look at the range, not just high note range, but the musical range that is required of someone to fill those, those oh, spots. Absolutely. For, the, for those people who might be thinking, well, yeah, but at some point you really have to specialize because you can't possibly be good at both. Well, that's just not true. If mm. you go and see movies, yeah, there are, there are a large pool of players in Los Angeles that do that work, but a lot of those are the same players that you're hearing on big band type scores and orchestral type scores some of those are the exact same players you know that are just maybe switching a horn here and there a mouthpiece here and there but stylistically they are absolutely prepared for that and right how would you like to be living in in new york and your show's ending and you get called for the next show and say yeah but i can't do that i don't play Mm. that style not okay right absolutely you want to have that kind of musical range absolutely it's important yeah. So when the phone rings, if you're lucky enough to have the phone ring, you want to be able to answer it and then accept the gig. Absolutely. If, if you've pigeonholed yourself early, everybody will know, by the way, 
Yeah, you won't. And have, also, nobody will tell you. you. You won't have to declare your intentions. That's right. Verbally. <laughs> <laughs> and they won't. Hell, they won't call you after the gig and help you along. The phone just won't ring the next time. Uh, right. Yeah, so you want to prepare yourself. Yeah. So we translate that into advice for the young, for the aspiring player, right? Whether high school or college, right? We need to make sure that you can do a little bit of everything. The things that we're talking about in being a strong trumpet player, right? Being, being physically sound as a trumpet player, but then experimenting with these styles of being able to transpose and being able to, to play swing, you know, whatever, all those things that potentially could be out there for you. And the best way to do that, of course, is staying current and knowing what's out there. And listening right? like crazy. And listening yeah. like crazy. Yeah. And listening to everything, right? Yeah. I, I got called when I was in high school by a gentleman. I can't remember his name, but I, he was, uh, I need you to come to Trini's Party House on Friday night. We're <laughs> going to play from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. And uh, you'll make $40. And I thought, yeah, $40. Yeah. I'm rich. Great. So I show up and I go into this club and I'm, despite growing up in San Antonio, Texas and going to school in Miami, I don't speak Spanish. I can like count to 100, you know. So I'm reading this music. You know, and they're mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, but boy, seeing those rhythms in that place as a 16 year old, you know, that was like, <laughs> oh, I gotta, I gotta get this stuff together. You know, I right. know how this stuff goes. But then, boy, I moved to Miami and I get called to go play this club, the Swiss Chateau. No, not kidding. On, on, wow. on Fridays and Saturdays, the gig went from 10.30 to 4, 10.30 p.m. to 4 a.m. You did 45 Ooh. minutes on, 45 off. And, wow. You know, I remember the first night I played on this gig, I was like, oh, this is so much fun. Really good, fun band. Yeah. You know? And they were like, okay, yeah, good. You want this gig? And I was just reading all the stuff that, of course, a lot of times they've had people in there that look like me, you know, normal, you know, normal looking white guy that plays trumpet, like, oh, no, this is not going <laughs> to go well. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, seriously, first night, they're like, okay, yeah, you need to come just join the band and do this. So I was doing that five nights a week through my most of my first year of grad school. Right. Yeah. Wow. It was I, really I fun too. Yes, <laughs> sounds like it. This was many years ago, but I remember getting the call, and the guy said, "Hey, I got your name for somebody else. We got this. It's a thing on Saturday. It's a Dixieland thing." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I've played some Dixieland stuff before. You know, right? <laughs> this would be great." And he goes, "Yeah, it's good. here's the time, and here's the other stuff." And as I'm talking to him, it dawns on me that I should ask one more question before I completely commit to the gig. And I said, "Yeah, just uh, one more thing. Like you guys use music, right?" And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. We <laughs> no, we don't have any. I'm like, uh, let me give you a couple other phone numbers. <laughs> right. You know, because I right. was first admit, no, 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 that's not. I mean, I know some of the tunes. I'll play out of the book. Stylistically, I'll do what you want me to do. But I do not have anything other than, you know, Royal Garden Blues memorized. Right. You know. That's a different, that's a that's different, a different right. game. Yeah, because those, yeah. those guys are going to have 125 tunes ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But great boy. What a thought, though, to be able to do that. Right. It's like getting a call. I got a call too from a Bach festival. Right. It was a Bach festival happening. We need a trumpet player. This fell through that fell through. OK, here's the dates or the stuff. And I'm like, um, could, what do you what have you programmed? And of course, there it is. Brandenburg. There it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> On no notice whatsoever. And wow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so at least if nothing else, if you're aware <laughs> of what's out there and what's required of you, at least you can maybe make a good decision and avoid yeah. the problem altogether, you know? Yeah. Although I did do, I did let the bride seraphim on two hours notice once. I had a friend call me and said, I have two weddings today. What are you doing at two o'clock? And it was like noon. 
<laughs> wow. And he said, can That'd you go fun. over there and can you do that? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. One yeah. of those things where like, well, where the thing comes in handy. I play pickle every day, even if it's not required. But then right. I, for something like that, oh, yeah, I know that. I can go do that. So did you know it? Had you played it before? I played it. Yeah, I played it. Yeah. yeah. I played a lot of, uh, of soprano and, and, and piccolo stuff through college. So mm -hmm. for my first two years, I was dating a singer. And I'd love to tell you it's because I was such a great piccolo player. But I think it's because all the singers knew me through my girlfriend. So they just asked me. So I did a lot of recitals that way, right. which got me. I, I just got to do a ton of lit, which was great. All the Scarlatti stuff and yeah. the Handel stuff. And yeah, yeah, good deal. Yeah. Well, you are nothing if not marketable. <laughs> One would think. I'll say that. But, uh, but again, it's... It, it's it, I think not only, I mean, I do it because I want to play everything, but even if you don't want to play everything, being broader makes even when you go narrow makes you better. I think having the broad-based experience makes you better. Yeah, there's, uh, there's something, yeah, yeah. There, and we've gone round and round about this in looking at successful trumpet players, is that I think it's more the exception than the rule to find somebody at the highest level that's always been narrow. That's much more the exception when you're looking at, you know, world-class trumpet players. You will be a better musician. Exactly. All the way around. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff. All right, I'm glad we talked about this. Well, finally, we reached the portion of the program we like to call No Offense. So this is where we highlight something from the trumpet kingdom that is recognized, used, and touted, yet might not make so much sense to us. And we feel it's our responsibility, know our duty to highlight such things and raise awareness, inform the masses, and generally start trouble. Um, this week's No Offense is a little bit different. I'm going to talk about this very particular thing. Students, if you're the student who's borrowing your teacher's book for the week and then never returning it, not okay. No offense, but you need to be better. You both have encountered this. I know you have. <laughs> I think it was my second year here at IU. We had a music store uh, across the street. It's no longer there. So, you know, sold cheap music and they carry books and stuff like that. I turned my office upside down looking for my Schlossberg book. <laughs> and I could not find it. So I walked across the street. I bought myself a new Schlossberg book. And as I walked next to the place next door, John Rommel was in there with a couple students eating lunch. And uh, so I stopped in to say hi. He goes, what do you got? And I showed him. He goes, yeah, it's about time you got one of these. I've heard good things about this book. <laughs> 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 like, I loaned this to someone. I don't know who. I can't find it. I don't know where it is. You know, how many books have you bought multiple times? Mm -hmm. Not just books, mouthpieces, mutes. Oh, of course. The yeah. lending library. So one of my favorite memories from Kentucky uh, was, was noticing that Vince – had a stamp for all the music in his library that says Absolutely. this music was stolen from the library of Vincent DiMartino. <laughs> and I have seen those all over the country. Copied. <laughs> exactly. Xerox like crazy. Actual book. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done the thing where I've, you know, time will go by, it'll disappear. And I'll say to someone, oh, I can't find my Voxman book. I'm looking for my Voxman book, for example, whatever it is. Right. And the student will go, Oh, I have one of those. I'm like, great. Can I can I just borrow it for the like the next hour or whatever? And they bring it back and it's mine. It's <laughs> <laughs> you recognize the tear in the cover, my name's inside, whatever, you know, and it's mine. Yeah. So now I when I give somebody a book or a solo, I say smile for the camera. <gasps> and I take a picture of them holding it up. Mouth That's... breathing devices. 
Have Brilliant. you started the most wanted uh, poster? <laughs> no, that like, could be next. <laughs> the top ten that's most w- wanted on your wall. That's way better. I I started a thing was a clipboard hanging on the side of the file cabinet called the theft registry, <laughs> and so you had to you had to sign your name and like whatever you were taking, you know. I like the mugshot. Oh, the photo is way better. That's really good. That's a good idea. Absolutely brilliant. I have to steal that this year. I I lose, I lose equipment every year. I just and there's something uh, in their mind because oh, I'm on camera. Yeah, like he's item. He's got me. He's gonna know. (laughs) It's been it's been good. I have had students mail me things too over the years. Like I'm talking (laughs) years later. Hey, going through a box of stuff, found this York Conconi book. Of course, I've bought Moved it three or three four more houses. times. Yeah, and I've bought it three more times since then. You know, four kids. Right. <laughs> Sorry, our kids spilled something on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been out of the office for a really long time, no doubt. Well, that about does it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Open Bell. Stay tuned, subscribe to whatever works for you, and please tell your friends about us. We appreciate your patronage, and so do our sponsors who have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.